What's up, fight fans? You are listening to MMA Daily, the podcast where we bring you the latest and the greatest in the world of mixed martial arts. It is Monday, April 8th, 2019. My name is Gabriel. You can find me on social media at Double G on TV, and I'm joined by my co-host, Miss Natalie Zamudio. Hey, Gabriel. Happy Monday. Hope, uh, hope you had a good weekend. I know it was quiet as far as fights go, but I still found myself like having too many fights to watch. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, the action, I guess combat sports was, you know, in effect. There was some boxing and Artem and Jason Knight certainly had, you know, one of the best battles of the year period at bare knuckles. So there was, you know, fights going on. I think it's a weird thing when you're media and you follow it the way we do, because I know for myself, it's like when there's a fight every week, it's kind of like, hey, you know, Saturday, like, I don't have to add this. I don't want to call it obligation, but just, you know, look, this is my job. This is what I do. I cover it. So part of my time on Saturday is just taken out for fights, period. When you say that there's no UFC and no Bellator, no, etc. Yes, there's bare knuckle there. But then I also found myself, it's like, hey. I could catch up on some TV and some movies, you know, after work. Yeah. So all of that, you know, it it makes it very interesting. And I think that the fans who, you know, don't tune in to every UFC or follow it just quite like we do to get the results live may not realize just how weird it feels to not have to, you know, punch in for the day on a Saturday night. So it was definitely interesting. But what about you? Tell me about your experience. Yeah, so I went to a local fight here in uh, in L.A. in a city called Pico Rivera, which is right next to uh, just east of where I grew up in Montebello. So it was cool. in a place called the Pico Rivera Sports Arena. All my life, never knew that existed, but it's like a, a kind of like a rodeo arena. So it was like dirt floor, outdoors. It was like medieval times, basically. <laughs> um, so they like tarped the dirt and put a ring in and some chairs. Um there's a lot of good fighting, good boxing. Um, one of the one of the boxers used to I used to take boxing classes from him at the UFC gym, so it was really cool to see him have a victory. Um, but it was a long night outdoors, and uh, I was the whole time I was thinking, oh, I'm missing BKFC, and I was, you know, I'm tweeting results, and it was really hard to avoid the spoilers from BKFC. So um, I planned to watch them that night, but then I got home late and was tired, so I waited till the morning, and it was a I've always enjoyed BKFC since since the first one last year. This one did not disappoint. Uh, good fights. And then, of course, the epic main event. Um, and then also, because I love Ronda Rousey, I checked out WrestleMania. And that thing goes on for like seven hours. So <laughs> um, I only I tuned in for the last that three. That didn't get done to like past midnight. Yeah, that, again, reminds me of how, how happy I am to live on the on the West Coast. Because uh, we were done by like 9 p.m. or 8 p.m. or something like that. But, um, and every match is like 30 minutes. You know, I like, I loved wrestling as a kid. I love WWF. And I like watching Rousey uh, wrestle. I think it's fun. But I'm not in it enough to fully enjoy seven hours of, of WrestleMania. So, <laughs> you, you know, people, uh, I get it. Um, the, here's the thing I always say. The wrestling fans do not play. Let me repeat that. The wrestling <laughs> fans do not play. They ingest this stuff like it's candy. 
and and I get it. They put on a show, especially WWE. They do not mess around, and for good reason. You know, there's a reason why they are the biggest brand out there in. I'll call it sports dash entertainment compared to like an NFL or other just quote sport. Um, and look, there's a reason why uh, I have never been bit by the bug. I have tried I checked <laughs> it out. There's some every now and then when there's, they got the character and certainly with Rhonda and all that, I've checked it out to be like, Oh, well, what's going on? What's happening? What's this about? Um, every time I watch it and I see the, the men and women and it's so over dramatic, I'm like, <laughs> yeah, now I, now I remember why I like the real thing. And, um, I'll save a story for another day, but this actually became a very, uh, interesting issue when I was first covering the sport of MMA, which MMA daily fans have heard me tell it in the past. So I will save it though for a later date, but yeah, just Pro wrestling and I have just never mixed. We're just not compatible. We're that relationship that just isn't meant to be. That's how I'll describe it. <laughs> I really want but to hear look, the story, but okay, I will wait till you're till you're ready to retell it. <laughs> yeah, I, it's because I've done it so many times, and I know <laughs> I know you're new, and you know it's just MMA daily fans who have followed it. They've heard me say it a lot. But um, no, it's, I need to wait for the right context to really d- dive straight back into it another time. <laughs> All but, right. um, look, um, in other news, before we start talking about MMA, there was some stuff. Obviously, Ronda, more history. You know, give it up. She's, she's doing her thing, and that's awesome. It just goes to show the star she was in MMA. Then, of course, the Brock Lesnar losing his title. And, you know, what's his name? Paul Heyman. This little thing that Brock has to catch and well, he he'll be quote appreciated. Yeah, that's a <laughs> lot of wink, wink, nudge, nudge. So good news for us. The DC Brock fight looks like it's kind of getting more green lit behind the scenes. So I'm with it. I'm here for it. But Natalie, so there obviously weren't any fights for us to break down, which is why we're taking our time. You know shooting the breeze on this Monday morning. But there was some MMA news last week. Let's get it started with the big one that I think, uh, you know, got the conversation started. So Connor and Habib had round two last week. We obviously talked about it, you know, on last week's show. And then they kind of followed it up with it. Connor, you know, obviously his comments about Habib's, you know, wedding photos, Habib with the, um, I don't I don't know if derogatory is the word, but just incriminating photo, I think is the best one for me to describe it. Yeah. This escalated. Obviously, it was looking, look, both of them look ugly by now doing this in the public. I think that's a unanimous, you know, on both sides, whether you're Team Connor, Habib, whether you're a fan, whether you're a bystander, uh, I think everyone's unanimously agreed it's gotten ugly. And, you know, it came to the point, Dana came out, made a comment to some of the reporters that the UFC is watching it. They are appalled. They're putting an end to it and they are internally addressing it. And they reached out to both camps about what was going on and essentially to address all of this that's playing out. Um, Natalie, I'll toss it to you because I got some thoughts and I really want to give you the first go ahead on just what do you think about the UFC getting involved in fighter trash talk? Yeah, we we definitely needed the the parents to get involved here. It was getting to a point where 
uh, I'll just say it to me and you know you can disagree it doesn't seem like Khabib takes any of this lightly like we saw yeah. the first time around and so I was actually starting to worry for Connor's safety I thought you know if someone on behalf of Khabib could do something crazy is, is where I felt this was going whether directly or indirectly on his behalf uh, I, but and I imagine Connor at home sort of having a grand laugh tweeting away it didn't seem like he understood the sort of murky dangerous territory he was he was stepping into but uh, whatever your personal threshold is for things like this I think I think we have to acknowledge it. and you said it, the messaging was escalating to like a catastrophic level I was legitimately worried for some, for somebody here I did wonder though after the UFC stepped in if pre-ESPN or pre-Endeavor UFC would have intervened. Um, I was just 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 curious, like how quickly Disney came in and said, tapped on the shoulder and said, like, "Hey guys, um, this needs to stop right now," or if Dana White really came to this decision on his own. In any case, ultimately, just glad that somebody stopped, somebody spoke to the camps. You know, things calmed down. I don't. I don't know if Khabib tweeted anything, but Connor did, and you know, sort of a weird kind of, not apology, but like trying to reset, you know, his his perspective. And uh, <clears throat> I'll say we we can't pretend that Khabib's going to forget about this, based on how he responded to Connor's taunts after the last fight. I believe if if they fight again, he'll be like on an extra personal mission mission for revenge. This this sounds like I'm being you know melodramatic, but I'm I'm quite serious, and I and because of that, I kind of hope they don't fight again. I just think they need to to live separate lives, and you know they can continue on their UFC paths. But Lord Almighty, I, I don't see how you how you come back from this, just based on how I I've seen Khabib react. He he doesn't see any of this, in a you know, joking a joking manner. No, I'm with you. Um, To me, when I watch this, the big picture that I kind of came to is that, look, we know that the rules are a little more loosely applied when you're that really marketable, you know, star that you're making millions of money for a company. And, you know, that isn't just MMA. That's in all sports. You know, you got you see the stars in NFL, NBA. They don't get calls during games all the time. And, you know. They might get away with stuff that somebody else might get suspended for just because, hey, they need to sell these games on TV and in the arenas. Um, We know that, you know, that to say that that's not true would be, you know, naive and a lie. However, uh, you know, like we just said, when you see the way they were escalating and the level and the type of comments that were being made. And I agree with you, you know, when you're now owned by ESPN you know, when you guys think, um, I don't know if this is true, but I once heard that they their paychecks, you know, their physical checks have the Mickey Mouse logo on them. <laughs> and it's like, uh, you know, once again, I've heard this. I couldn't confirm whether or not it was true, but I'd really love to know. This is the kind of business you're dealing with. And you're dealing with investors who have PR and brand and H&R. And I know that combat sports is always going to be very different from your traditional basketball and other sports like that so yes there is a little bit of a gray area because of the way just the business itself is in terms of you know 
you got to sell combat. You got to sell fights. You got to sell conflict. Yeah. Not a, not always necessarily a quote competition, even though that is a big part of it. That uh, has always been a factor. That's why it's always weird to say that, yes, it's a sport, but you can't put it in the same category. It's trying to fit a square in a circle, you know, slot. But the fact is, these are publicly traded companies with brands, investors, etc. And I think that when you're talking about this, you just can't go on saying it's business as usual when easily your two biggest stars right now, John Jones is up there, Max is getting there, but Connor for sure, Habib is getting to that level. Two of the most visible stars last year, and they're making the types of comments that they're making. I think that it was, you know, it was overdue for the UFC to step in. That being said, I don't really know where you could really go from here because it's trash talk. This is kind of part of what sells the business. And either the UFC has to say, hey, you know what? You could say whatever you want, but family, religion, XYZ are off limits. They either have to make that a blanket rule or they have to just, you know, you're going to keep running into this issue where guys or girls, you know, de- for whatever reason, decide they're going to say a little bit of stuff because, hey, I'm, maybe I'm UFC champion. Maybe I am so have so-and-so million or thousands of followers. UFC isn't going to stop me from saying it because they need me to fight and sell tickets. UFC has to kind of make a stand and stick to it. Because I think if they keep trying to play the fence, it's going to lead to more. If not Conor and Habib after this, in the future, this is just the nature of the fight game. So I want to toss it to you. Do they get involved in what they can say? Or is it just the nature of the beast that sometimes guys are going to say this because it's combat? I I do believe it should be a case-by-case. Because, yeah, trash talk is is part of the game, Um, you know, it, what's nice is that not everybody does it. So you have in the UFC just a, a diversity of, um, of styles as far as promoting a fight. You get excited by the guy who trash talks. If he's smart, if he kind of says stupid things, then it's just silly. So, you know, trash talking is an art. And so when someone does it well, like Connor and, you know, Chael Sonnen and um, Ben Askren, like it's exciting. When it crosses a line that is subjective, you can stay out of it. But when you get into this territory that like people fight wars over stuff like religion, I think it's wise to step in and just have a conversation with your, with the, with the, the folks involved. But I, I don't think it needs to be part of the, actually, I don't know what the code of conduct actually says, but I've been reading that there is a, supposedly a UFC code of conduct. I, I don't think yep. it has to be put in writing though. Like you can't talk about someone's family or religion. I think it really should be case by case. I always feel like, you know, they're just words. These are just words we're saying to each other. It doesn't, it shouldn't mean anything. We should be more adult and, and you, you know, adult enough, mature enough to just hear words and understand we're going to take care of business in the cage. But you can't, you can't put that on everybody. Like in this case with, with Khabib, you know, the first time around, it got to a point for him, that stuff is very serious and, and very personal. And he, he, doesn't separate them the way maybe other fighters do. And so case by case is the way I see this has to be, has to, has to go. They stepped in this time when they should have a little bit too late, but I definitely don't want to see this like blanket put over all the fighters, like this, this weight put on them that says, 
you guys can't can't talk at all about these very specific things. I think that'll stifle the creativity that that you can find in trash talk. You know, I'm gonna respectfully disagree because if if I'm a UFC fighter and let's say I have a little bit of a beef with somebody, you know, if, in my personal life, if I don't like somebody, I'm not going out there saying, you know what, your religion is this or your so significant other so and so is that. You know, no, I'm, you know, if I really want to say something, I say something about, you know, why this person, I just don't like their quote unquote personality or whatever thing that goes on with me. And I think that, you know, if I'm a UFC fighter and UFC were to send me an email that says, you cannot talk about this, this and this, you know, these hot button topics. I'm thinking, well, I mean, I wasn't going to talk about that stuff about him or her anyway. So what am I, you know, okay. Like, that wasn't a problem for me. They're saying this because of Connor and Habib, but I don't have that issue. So I think the UFC implementing that rule is actually okay. It's okay for me just because I feel like if you're, you know, you know, for example, a Ben Askren or Chael Sonnen probably isn't thinking, hey, I'm going to go insult this guy for being a, you know, Christian or, you know, his wife is a brunette, not blonde, something like that that's just so personal and shouldn't have any involvement i think that guys and girls are going to be like well that's not a problem for me and they want to make it a rule cool but we aren't the ones who have an issue but i get it they have to say it because two marketable guys are doing it so i think that having a precedent isn't a bad thing because most guys and girls are going to be like that wasn't me anyway I'm going to just keep saying my thing because I was never going to talk about his religion or his family anyway. At least that's my opinion of it. But um, look, like I said, I mean, let's say bluntly, Connor has said quite a few things that have crossed the line for years. So, you know, the fact that, you know, maybe now he's got a dance partner who's escalating it with him. Maybe the fact that it's now doubling down and multiplying is what made the UFC, you know, like, yo, this really is getting out of hand. And we got, you know, the guys at ESPN saying that you've got to make this, you know, the most visible star shut up or we're going to have to, you know, rein it in on our end. So I, I think that's where it is. That's where I'm going to leave it, in my opinion. I would like to think that this is it. But obviously, as these guys get back to action, it's going to continue to be an issue and you know, we're just going to have to wait and see how they address it moving forward. But moving on, there is other stuff going on besides Connor and Habib. The next one, unfortunately, one of the top contenders in the middleweight division is out. Yoel Romero has been forced out of his fight with Dr. Ray Souza on April 27th. He is apparently, um, he had to see a doctor and I, I want to say hospitalized a bit. For a bout with pneumonia, so he wasn't able, he's not been able to train, and they decided to pull him out of the fight for his safety since it's coming up so soon. Instead, Jack Hermanson, who is coming off that performance bonus victory over David Branch just two weeks ago, is going to be taking the fight against Jacare. Jacare is coming off that big, exciting victory over Chris Weidman last November. Um, Natalie saying he will retire if he doesn't get a title shot and he's taken on you know i don't want to call it david versus goliath but this is a big step up for jack hermanson what are your thoughts on this fight i actually like that that jacare is putting it out there 
And I think that will benefit him and give him a mental edge in this fight. You know, you, you mentioned his fight with Weidman. That was so crazy. Jacare was getting was getting beat up. It was like one of Weidman's best performances. And then Jacare turned the tables. So you can't teach that kind of heart and grit to push through like that. <laughs> and so I, I thought maybe that could be one of his assets going into this fight with Hermanson. I should say, I, I think that is his, his main asset. He's nine years older. He he knows it's his last shot at the at the belt. So I see him being able to pull it out because of that mental edge. But then I rewatched Hermanson versus Talis Ladies, and that was crazy. I don't know if you remember that fight because <laughs> I certainly didn't. I had to go back and rewatch it. So uh, Hermanson was injured. I think I think I thought it was his leg at first, but he says it was his rib. He pushed through. Beats beats Talis Ladies. You know, via ground and pound TKO. So it's and he's coming off this high, this victory two weeks out from beating David Branch, and yeah, so so quickly. He's young, he's hungry. I still think where where Jacare is in his career, the all or nothing mentality. I still think he gets that slight mental edge. At least that's what I hope because I really want to see Jacare have one last one shot, one last shot at the belt. He's so. He's so exciting to watch, such a great MMA personality, a martial artist, so respectful. It would be nice to see him get get to the top again. So we'll see. Yeah, for me, Jacare, it, man, it's just timing. I mean, like when, what was it, about three, four years ago, depending on where you started, when he was just, he got to the UFC and he was just going through dudes like pancakes. And um, he was just on that great run. And look, he was the unanimous number one contender any other year in the middleweight division. But he had to be there at the same time. Yo, Romero doing the exact same thing. They were on like parallel paths (laughs) to the title. And that's really all it was. They fought. Romero took the tight split decision. I saw that. That one could have gone either way, in my opinion. Um, and it, like I said, it was a split. So one judge did see a Jacare. Man, that's that's just the way the game went for him. And then obviously he had those setbacks, uh, the Whitaker fight where um, he doesn't talk about it, but he was injured. But look, Robert Whitaker, we also know how talented he is. You know, there's no saying he couldn't also take out a healthy Jacare, you know, when he's on. And then the tight loss to Kelvin Gastelum last year. It's tough. And even now when you talk about, well, we need an interim title for uh, while Whitaker is out, he just fought Kelvin. He just had that loss. And you have a very marketable guy and who's on a tear in Adesanya. It's just very hard to say, yeah, let's see Jacare Kelvin too, you know, for the interim. Yeah. That one just, does, look, very bluntly, I love Jacare. And yes, he is more proven than Israel. He is a lot of these other things more experienced, has the name in the game than Israel. I I definitely agree with that. But it's all about timing. And if we're being honest, Jacare, you know, has had those setbacks. Israel is just a bigger fight and he's on a good run right now, in my opinion. And uh, I'll say it. I would rather see Kelvin Israel than Jacare Kelvin, too. Just when I really look at it big picture, I just feel like it makes much more sense. So that's been the only thing for Jock Ray, and I get it. He has a right to be frustrated. I would hope if he gets this victory and they tell him to wait, 
that he doesn't retire because I do think he still has a lot of fight left in the tank. And Jack Hermanson, look, I think this guy, he, he, <clears throat> excuse me, he doesn't have too many losses. I think his only one in recent years might have been to Tiago Santos, who obviously we know does work. So this is a guy who is, you know, he's feeling good. He hasn't gotten out of shape in two weeks, I think, since fighting Branch. So this is going to be a good test for Jacare and a good opportunity for him to just have a showcase. Really go out there and show why you are still the man, why you should still be here when Whitaker and these guys get back and get in action. So I would just want that for Jacare because I am a big fan and I do think he is still a very dangerous guy at 185. Yeah, I would like, yeah, so everything you said, totally agree. It wouldn't have made, it wouldn't have been exciting for to see Gaslam too, uh, Jacare. And plus, it was already, I mean, coming off of the failed attempt for Whitaker and Gaslam to fight and Adesanya, the winner of Adesanya Silva was going to be the contender. Like, that was already made. That that goose was cooked. Those fights were going to happen um, with Gaslam and Adesanya. So what would, how many fights would Jacare have to win to get to the point where he can actually fight whoever the champion ends up being after all this. I don't know. Two, three, uh, I have no idea. And I don't know if he has that much. Yeah, if he has that much time, I just would love to see it. Will it happen? Moving on to our next news story, we go from sunny Miami to Russia for UFC St. Petersburg. We have Alexei Olenek, who is now Alexander Volkov in the fight against Alistair Overeem in the main event. This one, a great grappler against a great striker, Overeem, obviously snapped that two-fight losing streak last November. Olenek headlined the first UFC event in Russia, and, you know, one of those was with another Ezekiel choke finish. Very impressive. Natalie, what are your thoughts on this fight? I think we'll get a fun fight and and maybe a quick fight. Um, You know, we got two experienced fighters on the, I would say, towards the tail end of of things for 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 their career i feel overeem i mean they would probably both disagree with me but i just don't see that much happening there um i think overeem could win by by tko but but yeah that junior albini um choke that alexi pulled off it'd be kind of cool to see that again but i don't think he'll get that lucky against (laughs) overeem um so yeah don't have much uh (laughs) much to say on this one but um i think it could be a fun fight these these guys will probably put on a, a show for us they have a lot of a lot of grit uh and and overeem you know he's such a skilled stand-up striker so could be fun see the thing about this one it's hard to see it going back and forth but then again i'm not sure if it's going to be a wash i don't know who it would be for because Overeem could just, you know, sprawl and brawl, and maybe he's just lighting them up a little bit on the outside. Then if you're a Linux, maybe you just, you know, bully him to the cage, wrestle him down, and then it's all you for as long as it lasts until you, you know, just pin him down and ground and pound, or you get a, you know, get a limb or get the neck. So all of it, you know, is really tough. Uh, I do agree with you. I don't see Overeem. I don't see anybody, really, I think. You know, you're going to have to have a really panicked or inexperienced guy fall into another Ezekiel. I think everyone is like, you know, like, no, no, man, you are, you're not going to pull the rabbit out of the hat on me. You already, I don't know how you got the second guy, to be honest. So, yeah, I do agree. I do feel that way with you about Olenek. But look, this is, you know, I, it's tough to call. Um, when you look at Overeem, 
I, it's very safe to say that he isn't the same guy he was a couple of years ago that, you know, you wondered if he could dominate the UFC heavyweight division. And then if you're Olenek, he's a guy, he's been in it for a minute. And you're kind of wondering, can he put together that win streak to really get into those big fights, fight the Dos Santos, the Francis Ngannou's, the Stipe Miocic fights, you know, in the UFC. So I think it'll be interesting, but... um. Yeah, obviously we'll talk about it. I, I want to say by the calendar it'll be next week. But um, yeah, it, it's just so, uh, it's very tough. I think X's and O's are going to be interesting when we really do do a full breakdown. Yeah. Yeah, but obviously, look, <coughs> we do have finally big MMA is back in action. And this one obviously is a very interesting card. So, you know, in terms of the business, it's the first card that if you're in America, you'll have to buy through the ESPN Plus app. So number-wise, it's going to be interesting to see how fans react to it. But let's talk about the actual fights themselves. We're going to start in with the co-main event for UFC 236. Israel Adesanya taking on Kelvin Gastelum for that interim title like we just talked about earlier. Um, Natalie, you have a, easily, uh, people call him Anderson Silva 2.0 against the guy who's just, Known for being the underdog and getting the job done in Kelvin, how do you see the fight going? So I'm kind of afraid to say this, but I'm gonna, I'm just gonna go ahead and oh, say just, it right off the top. Never um, be afraid on this show. <laughs> I think Gastelum wins this one. So for all of Adesanya's tricks and spectacle and and carrying this like the banner of the next Anderson Silva, I don't think he can hurt Gastelum enough to get a finish. Um, Yes, if they just stayed on the feet, Adesanya would outpoint Gastelum. But I think Gastelum's going to use his wrestling, hold Adesanya down. But then I think about, that's what I think, right? And then I go, okay, Mm -hmm. let's take a look at the other side. I think about how smart and calculating Adesanya is. From that perspective of of intelligence, IQ, like adaptive, adaptive skills, I don't know if Gastelum can adapt against an opponent as many times as Adesanya can, like in one fight. I think Adesanya can, you know, tune himself high, low, right, left, up, down against whoever he's fighting. This tells me we'll have an exciting fight for sure, right? 100%. Um, Gastelum had to take a little bit of a step backwards here just to get a shot at some notion of a middleweight belt because of the whole Whitaker hernia scenario. Yep. So I think there's way more pressure on him to win this finally get that shot against Whitaker and I think he'll rise I think he'll rise to the occasion I think he'll meet the pressure head on I think he'll get the win go ahead tell me tell me if I'm wrong <laughs> <laughs> no I, th- this one is very tough well uh, first off how do you see uh, get- decision TKO I think it'll your, be a decision I think it, it'll be a decision yeah I'll take him to 25 I okay think will. You, you know the thing about Adesanya for me is that look we've seen him enough you know, this this guy's got skills. We've seen that. He's proven that in a year and a half-ish in the UFC. So you got to give him that credit. It's safe to say that right now we're about to find out how much is hype and how much are we actually seeing, you know, a future star, a future, you know, elite-level guy. And um, look, very br- bluntly, Derek Brunson isn't a top three guy. Uh, Brad Tavares isn't a top three guy. Kelvin Gastelum right now 
is a top-level guy. The guys he would be facing, whether it's a Jacare, Romero, Whitaker, those are top three guys, you know, top, or top four, top four guys. So I think that you're about to see, can Adesanya do what he's done to other people against these athletes, against these multifaceted guys who've now seen his game a little bit? That one, you know, we don't know. It really is unknown. It really is just the hype and how much do you believe in Adesanya's creativity and how much do you believe that he does have that takedown defense and that technical, you know, IQ and know-how to get out of those spots and keep it at long range where he can light you up. That's really going to be the question because he hasn't proven that against this level yet. It really is on the limb that, hey, he does have that next level. And we're going to see that, whether he does or doesn't. I agree with you on a lot of the stuff for Gastelum. I think it's about getting in his face, getting the takedown, being more unpredictable. For me, the height disadvantage is the real X factor for as good as Kelvin is, just how much taller Adesanya is than him. And you know he's going to use those long legs, those long arms to keep him at bay, pepper him from the outside. That's going to be the key. I do think that Kelvin makes this a very gritty fight. I've been going back. And, and I told you that this fight was going to be tougher than the Poirier-Holloway fight for me just because they're so contrasting. There's so many different X factors. Yeah. To, to me, I think that uh, you're very right, Kelvin. I'm going to go with my gut. I feel like Adesanya fights to the level of his competition. Nice, And I do think that he is, I do think he's got a level that we haven't seen yet, but I'm going to go out on a limb that he's going to pull some uh, things that we haven't seen before and what he's able to do. And I think that he's going to rise to the occasion on the opposite end. I think that he's going to figure it out and he's going to neutralize Gastelum. I see him getting a decision too. I think uh, Kelvin, I give him his credit. He is a very tough guy to put away for anybody, so... I see Adesanya, though, taking the decision. All right. So we agree there's going to be a decision. The judges are going to be involved. Yes, they got to earn their paycheck that night. (laughs) I mean, hey, yeah, I mean, you can't just show up and watch. You got to, you know. Take notes. I got to make a pick. (laughs) They're good at their job. You know, they get a bad rep. They They don't get credit for the dozen fights they get correctly. They always get the one that was like, Wait, are you sure? So, you know, we can't hate on the judges there. No, no, I'm not hating on them. Yeah. <laughs> then, of course, let's talk about our main event, Max Holloway, the featherweight champ moving up to take on just a powerhouse in Dustin Poirier. Um, Natalie, this one, um, depending on how you see it, it is two of the best guys who are on great win streaks right now. What are your thoughts on the fight? Who's getting it done? Man, this is going to be a heck of a fight. I love both of these guys. I think anyone who watches MMA loves both of these guys. There's just nothing you can dislike here. They're both excellent strikers. Overall, extremely exciting fighters, too. They're both capable of, like, fighting smartly and brawling whenever, you know, they feel like they need to get the fans a little involved. I'll cut to the chase, though. I think think Holloway wins this via TKO, maybe round three or four. That's that's Ooh. my line. I'm sticking to it. I just think he's he's such an amazing. He's got such an amazing like fighter spirit, and, and you combine that with his skill set. I can't see Poirier being able to push himself 
for as long and as hard as Holloway can. And that's, that's the, the determining factor for me. So even if they go back and forth on the feet, I think Holloway ultimately has, has more heart. And I think he wins. I think that's what pulls him through at the end. I mean, I'm going to sound so much more like a nerd when I break it down. Um, to me, uh, I think the offensive firepower for both of them is just outstanding. I think it's going to be some beautiful violence. Uh, the thing to me, I think that per punch, Poirier got, has more pop. I think he'll, he can do more damage. I think leg kicks are a big factor. I think Holloway's going to figure to be a little bit longer than Poirier. But Dustin can just chop away, and you're going to want to do that. You're going to want to try to limit this mobility make it harder for Max to just slip in and out like he did against Brian Ortega and Jose Aldo. Um, in a five-round fight, which you bring up a great point, how does Poirier last? We've seen his cardio work, but I feel like the output that Max generates is on another level. <laughs> and um, really, uh, you also talk about the weight going up 155. Does Max seem as fast? Does he feel as comfortable? Are his shots doing the kind of damage? All that is a factor. I am going to say this, though. Max Holloway has become one of those guys similar to a GSP, a Demetrius Johnson, a John Jones. There are a lot of weapons that the opposition brings. There are a lot of just dangers for them against these opponents. But when you're talking about fighters and athletes like these guys, you kind of just start to say, you know what? Yes, they're, they're credible opponents. But when you're talking about these guys, they just seem to have that one extra trick in the bag. Those things that maybe you don't think about when you're analyzing the fights that allows them to get the job done. And Max has become one of those guys. So even though there's a lot of reason to go with Poirier at 155, I'm with you. I think that Max will get the job done. Uh, the way I see it is that he's going to be able to zig instead of zag. I think that he's going to avoid the kicks. And I think that very bluntly, he's going to be able to outwork Dustin Poirier, get in and out when he needs to, get his spots, be accurate, frustrate him, and that it'll be a slow, methodical breakdown of Dustin Poirier. But Max has got that talent. I see him getting the job done at 155. And yeah, that's where I see it going. All right. We're on the same page. Woo. Now, yes, we're finally. I mean, I was getting a little worried there. I thought, oh man, we're gonna disagree, all of them again, all night. Yeah, but um, uh, now here's the final question before we move on to everything else going on. So, the winner of this one, it's suspected that you know Habib Nurmagomedov is coming back. Uh, they're throwing out September in Abu Dhabi. Uh, the backup seems to be Madison Square Garden in November. Do you think that's the biggest fight that we'll see for 2019? Is the winner of this one versus Habib? Like, no other fight they could make is going to top that one in terms of star power and, you know, pay-per-views, etc. What do you think? You mean instead of, like, would it be bigger than if they made Brock DC? Correct. Um, I don't know. I guess it depends. Habib... Probably has, I think if they do, maybe Khabib and Abu Dhabi, that could be pretty explosive. But I don't know. I still think, I still feel DC Brock will be the bigger, the bigger showing. I, I think that it's going to come down to how 
how does DC sell a fight with Brock? And you would think all he's got to do is show up to make it a big fight, which partially, but I think that if DC gets into a little bit of the WWE mode and goes back and forth with Brock to really build it, then it tops it. Just because, at least for my money, let's say it is Max Holloway, and you're talking about Max looking to take out Habib. And, you know, I I think if he beats Dustin and Habib in 2019 on top of his resume, you're talking about a guy who just went from being great to being pound-for-pound great, in my opinion. I think that kind of history is tough to replicate. So I think it'll come down to how good do Brock and DC market it. But I think that potentially the winner of this one, Habib, it's going to give a Brock, it's going to put pressure on Brock and DC to sell their fight in terms of who will actually have the bigger show for the year. So I think it's going to be close, but I think that you can't understate just how elite both of the, all of the three guys who are going to be involved could be. So whether it's Max or Dustin, and you're talking about Habib and where he's at right now in his career, you just can't understate that is going to be, you know, for the MMA side of it, not the marketing which Brock brings for just the MMA. I think that's the biggest fight, maybe not the biggest event, but the biggest fight that you can make for this year. And that's what makes this Saturday that exciting. It is the precursor to all of that action. Yeah, that's 100%. Max, um, Khabib, just on a, from a pure MMA perspective, that's amazing. Like anyone who tunes into that fight will see an amazing display of, of mixed martial arts. Um, if we're just talking what's going to be from just the names out on a, on a poster, what's going to be more popular, what's going to catch more eyes, I would go DC Brock. And if DC sells it the way he sold just the call out in the, in the cage after he won, his yep. um, after he beats Stipe and Brock sells it the way he did. I mean that that's that's easy, right? People will would eat that stuff up so quickly. So so from that perspective, marketing versus MMA, marketing DC Brock MMA could be max for sure. Now, I'm with it. There you go. So definitely we will we'll have all those <laughs> results on next week's show. I am just gonna. You know, I need to light my candle for the MMA gods that has <laughs> Brian Ortega photoshopped on Jesus and um, with that long hair and just be like, you know what? Just let these guys make it to fight night because it's going to be some good action on Saturday. We'll be back next week. We'll break it down. We'll have news. We'll go more in-depth on Overeem versus Olenek. And yeah, Natalie, where can the fans keep up with you to talk about all this MMA we got going on? Yeah, you can check out all my MMA musings and other random thoughts on Twitter at Rama 5 I try to uh, to not overwhelm with my uh, my dorky opinion, but sometimes you just got to put it out there. That's what the Twitter's for. Um, and then if you feel like checking out my, uh, my website, thestraightpunch.com, I have uh, op-eds, interviews, and fight schedule. All right. And guys, you can find me all the time at Double G on TV. Just fill out the word double and we'll be back next week.